Turn to Philippians 4, please. Philippians, the fourth chapter. We've been talking all this week about God being our source and about moving forward in faith instead of going back in man's and the world's ways. And so let's go on further tonight in Philippians chapter 4. Verse 19 says, But my God shall... Yes, say it with me. Let's start over again. But my God shall supply all your need, my need, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Can you count on that? Can you live by that? Well, who is your source? My God shall supply all my needs according to his resources. Not down on the earth, not my job, not who I know. His riches in glory. That's unaffected by happenings in the earth. That means I can always expect my needs to be met no matter what is happening. In anybody else's life or my own or anywhere around me, I can, I don't care if there's a drought for a hundred years. I don't care if there's nothing around to eat. I don't care if there's no money. Still, I can expect to have my needs met. Cause they're met how? By my God, right? And according to His resources and riches in glory, that is unaffected by the earth. So we talked about how that the revelation of God as our source is a progressive one. And uh, you don't, you know, you don't get to the place where you go, yeah, I know God's my source. That's it. Uh, it's progressive. Every month and every year, every day, you and I should be growing in the knowledge and awareness and faith That God is our source. Now, a lot of people have marked Philippians 4.19 in their Bible. But still, when they need something, they don't look first to God. They think about what I can do. They think about somebody else that has it. They think about what I can do to manipulate it, to cause it to happen, what I can do to make it work and to make it go. And really, they're still operating so much like the world and the unsaved. But God being your source means that you look away from anything you can do and produce, anything anybody around you can do and produce, and you begin to believe that you really can have anything you can believe for. It makes no difference how much it costs. It makes no difference how hard it might be to find and get or how rare it might be. You don't have to have a clue how to get it. Just sow your seed and believe for one. And let God figure all that other out, which he has already done. Right? You know, if we had time and the Lord so directed, I could tell you testimony after testimony after testimony. I know several years ago, I wanted a grand piano. I had, you know, Phyllis, and I had believed for one, and you actually got me one, didn't you? 
and paid for it forever. But she helped me get one, a little bitty cabinet, and I, the Lord directed us to sew it to somebody else. Well, a whole testimony there. I did without one for, uh, oh, what was it, about almost a year, and I was up in Chicago. And a fellow, after the service, asked me, he said, now, Brother Keith, I know, you know, you probably got three or four, but could you use a piano? I said, well, matter of fact, yeah. He said, well, I, you know, this has been coming up to me for nine months <laughs> to get you a piano. But I just thought for sure you probably got, well, I said, yeah, I had one, but I sold it and been believing for one. And uh, so he sent me one. And it was actually, it was one that he had. And he sold it to us. And we had just redecorated our living room in white. And this one was white. The other one was uh, kind of walnut, you know. Well, a year or two passed. And uh, the Lord dealt with me to sew that one. And uh, now you don't just give something to try to push God to do something for you. That's how you miss God. No. You know, you can actually miss it sowing. You can sow the wrong thing to the wrong people at the wrong time. You can be led by what you're seeing in here instead of the Spirit of God. You can actually waste your seed. And some folk have. And so you want to be led by the Spirit, nothing else. Listen to this now. Don't be led by opportunities. Don't be led by needs. Did you hear that one? Don't be led by needs. Don't be led by anybody pulling on you. Be led how? By the Spirit. By the Spirit. Well, we sowed this one. And uh, claimed, uh, you know, I'm believing for a grand now. Grand piano. And uh, we wanted a, uh, what's the color? Off-white? I wanted a Yamaha off-white. And I didn't know it at the time, but it was rare. You got white and you got black, but this color was not so plentiful. And uh, we were in a meeting doing God's business. How many of you take care of God's business? He'll take care of yours. We're in a meeting away from home into our second week of the meeting doing God's business and somebody called and said the Lord had dealt with them to buy us a grand piano. Did we think it was right? <laughs> Say, well, actually, yes, we do. Been believing for it. And well, what kind you want? And we told them. They didn't blink an eye. They said, great. That's about what I figured. And so they got to looking for one. Couldn't find one. Got to looking. Got to looking. I mean, called and called and nobody had, they got white, but not that. And, uh, so we got through and came in from the meeting and lo and behold, they're sitting in our living room. Paid for is a off white grand Yamaha. Hallelujah. Paid for. Paid for. Come to find out, people had told her, no, we can order one for you, and it's going to take, you know, a year or something like that. And she said, no, that ain't right. So kept believing God. Somebody out in Vegas had ordered one, and it had wound up in a warehouse, and nobody knew about it. But God got a hold of it and got it in our house. Hallelujah. And everything in life, in our walk with God, is progressive. 
I said progress. If what seems big to you now is not supposed to look big to you next year. Right? What looks huge to you now in the process of time should just seem normal. Right? But then there's always something bigger. Always something bigger. Now, um, we went over a number of things talking about this. And we saw in Jeremiah 17. I'm just going to read these to you and review a little bit. Jeremiah 17.5 said, Cursed is the man that trusts in man and makes flesh his arm and whose heart departs from the Lord. But verse 7 says, Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. When you rely on people. And you know better. You know to look to God. The Bible said you're cursed. Well we don't want to be cursed. But when you look to the Lord. And you rely on him. The Bible said you're blessed. There's a blessing on you. Blessed or cursed. Which one you want? Well then what do you got to do? Not look to man. But rely on the Lord. Now we uh, looked also. In Jeremiah 7. And 23 and 24, Jeremiah 7, 23, 24, the Lord said, Obey my voice, and I'll be your God, and you'll be my people. Walk in my ways, as I've commanded you, and it'll be well with you. He said, but they didn't listen to him, and they didn't hearken, they didn't incline their ear, but they walked in the counsels and imagination of their evil heart. They walked in their own ways, and Jeremiah 7, 24 said they went backwards and not forward. Moving in your own ways and in man's ways, you go back. Notice it didn't say you stay where you are. It says what? You go back. Operating in God's ways is how you go forward. Spiritually, you don't stay static. Your faith, your love walk, your fellowship with God, you do not just get to a place and go, okay, man, I'm in good shape now. I'm going to stay here the rest of my life. doesn't happen. Every day you're moving. You're either getting closer to Him. Your faith is increasing, right? Your joy is increasing. Your peace is increasing. You're being more led by the Spirit. And if you're doing that, what does that show? You're operating in His ways. Or what else is happening? You're getting colder, right? You're walking more by sight. You know, one thing you can keep an eye on is that I say it like this sometimes, going down life's road in your faith mobile. There's a couple of gauges you ought to keep an eye on. And how many know in your car, there's a couple of gauges you ought to keep an eye on. One particular has got an E on one side and an F on the other. You best check it once in a while, because if it gets over there on the E and it just keeps hanging around, what's going to happen? You're going to be walking. This thing going to sputter and stop and leave you on the roadside. Well, in your faith mobile, going down life's road, there's a couple of gauges you best keep an eye on. And a couple of them are your peace gauge and your joy gauge. Now, that's not just my idea. Romans 15 talks about the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace. Peace and joy in believing. If you're in believing, you're going to have peace and joy. And the more faith you're in, the more peace you got about it, and the more joy you got about it. The less faith you're in, you lose your joy, you lose your peace. You start grumbling and griping and you get scared. 
And I don't care if you made, you know, 13 confessions that morning. If you're scared and grumbling, you're not in faith. And so if you're going down life's road in your faith mobile and you see your peace is running out and you're getting scared and upset and your joy is running out and you're getting sad and depressed and grumbling and complaining, you got to do something. Otherwise your faith mobile is going to sputter to a stop and leave you on the roadside of despair and you're not going to make it to your destination. Healingville, rich town, wherever you headed, right? <laughs> Victory Mountain, wherever you're going. It's faith that's going to get you there, right? The grace of God in your faith. You can tell how well you're doing in faith by monitoring these things. Everybody say peace and joy. Peace and joy. joy. See, keep an eye on your peace and your joy. He said, obey my voice, walk in my ways, it'll be well with you. They walked in the counsel of their own hearts. They went backward and not forward. We saw in Psalm 78 that they turned and limited God. They limited him by turning back. If you read the whole thing, you see they turned back in their hearts and said, you know, we all going to die out here. Let's go back to Egypt. That was an insult to God. God who had delivered a whole nation by mighty signs and wonders and a mighty arm and done miracles. I mean miracles. Every time the plagues swept through, they got to the, uh, you know, we might say like a state line of the land of Goshen and didn't come in. I mean, miraculous, miracle after miracle. And then they went through the Red Sea over on dry land and God destroyed all their enemies and then they got bread falling out of the sky every day they got water out of the rock they got a the glory cloud they got the pillar of fire they got miracles before them and still they would not believe they would not begin to trust they would not break themselves from egypt's ways and say okay now we're going to live by faith now we're going to follow god but in their hearts they kept wanting to go well I'm scared out here. You just never know what's happening out here. You got to, day to day, you got to trust God. We, we knew what was happening back in Egypt. You know, the meals were regular. Well, they are in jail. Right? And some people won't, people will absolutely forfeit and throw away God's best for familiarity. For so-called security. Well, I've got to know what's happening, and I've got to be sure. And, you know, I want something that's sure and secure. Down here, (laughs) nothing is sure. Did you know that now? There is nothing on this planet that is 100% fail-proof. Everything you, if you can see it, it's subject to change. And the Bible says, while we look not at those things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. Because the things that are seen are temporal and changing and ever-changing and subject to change. But the things that are not seen are eternal. Philippians 4.19 is eternal. 1 Peter 2.24 is eternal. It doesn't change. Doesn't change. Doesn't change. It'll help you to hold yourself to the word. People will say, yeah, I know all those scriptures, but, but this is going on and but this is different. No, no. By his stripes, ye were healed, uh, period. 
There's a period there. <laughs> Don't run the stop sign. Do you know what I'm talking about? And go, but, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a period. There's no but after that phrase. After that declaration. But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Period. Stop sign. But, no buts. What about? No what abouts. What is? No what is? That's it. And that's going to be just as true tomorrow and the next day and the next year. And no matter who's in office or what's going on, it's going to be true. That's what we must look at. That's what we must look at. And not the other. Keep our eyes on that. And not the other. And you won't be confused. Can you say amen? Now, uh, we talked about how uh, that the uh, things that happened to the Israelites, the first generation God brought out of Egyptian bondage, is a type and example for us, 1 Corinthians 10 says. What happened to them happened as examples. And we saw that they experienced three levels of living. Are you with me? What were they? One was Egyptian living. And it was bad. Right? They owned nothing. They owed for everything. They lived in complete debt, no ownership. It's God's will for you to owe or to own. You know, we confess that for, what, two and a half years here. God's taken us from owing to owning. And now what you're sitting in, we own. Right? And several people in the church, they own stuff now. They own their cars and they own their houses and they own their businesses. And that's like we said last night, that's God's will. He wants you to be in control so he can run it through you. Did you hear me? So he can run it through you. He wants you to be in control of more and more. Some say, well, I just want God to be in control of my life. Then you've got to get in control. Now, if you don't understand that, don't throw it away. As long as some other man, some other corporation, some other business is controlling you, then God would have to deal with it through them. And if they don't believe in him and they're not open to him, it's a problem. But when you get in control, you're going to listen to him, right? You're going to do what he told you to do. So then he begins to run it through you. So it was Egypt living. Egypt's a type of the world. The world's ways, man's ways. And man, they suffered under that way of living. But God brought them out, and the psalmist said he brought them out with silver and with gold, and there wasn't one feeble person among their tribes. Is that a type for us? Is there healing in the redemptive work? Is there prosperity? There was in the type. If there's healing and if there is provision and prosperity in the type, there's got to be in the real thing. We didn't lose anything by the coming of Jesus and fulfilling a prophecy. In fact, we got a better covenant established upon better promises. You know, if I hold up a $50 bill and I hold up a $100 bill and I say, which one's better? Anybody know? Don't try to be witty on me now. Which one's better? The hundred dollar bill is better. If you don't think so, you're wrong. Hundred dollars better. Why? Why? Cause it's got the fifty in it. Plus. Right? Why is our covenant better than theirs? We got everything they had. Whoo, we got everything they had. 
plus, plus, we got the authority in the name of Jesus. Plus, we got the Holy Ghost living inside of us, leading us. Plus, we've made the righteousness of God in Christ. Plus, plus, plus. But we didn't lose. People holler, well, that's just under the old covenant. You ought to shout. That means it's yours. Plus. (laughs) Right? (laughs) So God brought them up and then he brought them out with silver and gold into the wilderness. Right? So this is the next level of living. Wilderness living. Now, Egypt living was not enough living. It's not enough to not even own your own life and your own body and owe for everything. Somebody else be in complete control. That's not enough. And he brought them up to just enough. From not enough to just enough. They lived day to day. Right? The manna fell every day. And they had to gather it for every day. And they're following the cloud and the pillar of fire every day. They lived. They were operating in just enough. Now God did not intend for them to stay there forever. They're supposed to learn his ways. Right? And nobody just jumps out of Egypt and sails over to Canaan's land. You got to come through. Everybody got to come through the wilderness. I know Phyllis and I, when we first got to Ramah and God began to teach us, you know, we were learning how to live by faith. We had to believe for every tank of gas. We had to believe for every pair of socks, every meal, you know. And there were days I fasted, not because I was trying to be spiritual. It was just a choice between gas money and lunch money. And don't feel sorry for me at all. I was learning how to believe God. I remember the first pair of shoes I believed God for. Not the first pair I ever had. I said the first pair I ever believed for. And got with my faith. I like something uh, Brother Kenneth Copeland said years ago. It just stuck in my heart. He said, if I can't get it with my faith, I don't want it in my house. And that stuck in me some way or another. And there's a lot of revelation of that. If you're just getting started in this, you might not understand it. But don't throw it away. There's different ways you can get stuff. Now we talked about that too, didn't we? Y'all going to help me out with that? Different ways you can get stuff. How? You know, how can you get what you need or what you want in this life? We said one, you could beg for it, right? And some people do. But we saw that believers are not beggars, right? And when you got a God that can meet all your needs, you don't have to beg. Anybody. I said anybody. You do not have to beg Anybody, not your husband, not your wife, not your pastor, children, teenagers, you don't have to beg your folks. Did you hear me? Believe God. Believe God. You don't have to beg the government. You don't have to beg the bank. You don't have to beg. You got a source. You have a God. How real is it to us, you see? Well, you could beg. That's not right. What else could you do? You could try to win it. You could get in you a, a happening card game. A roulette or dice or whatever you think it is. You could try to win it. How many think that's a bad idea too? Yeah. No, that's not it. What else could you do? You could get yourself a big pistol. Right? And find somebody that's got it. And take it away from them. Then you'd have it. People are doing it. Why? Why do they do that? No faith. They don't believe they could have it any other way. They believe this is the only way I will ever enjoy, you know, uh, 
it's sad, you know, young guys and stealing cars. And uh, why? Because they think grabbing this moment in this expensive automobile will be the only way I will ever ride or drive in a car like this. And it's a lie. I said it's a lie. Anybody, anywhere could believe God, he'd give them one. Now it might take longer than a month or two. And you're going to have to do more than just want a car. You're going to have to want God. Right? And want his plan. But he'd give you three of them. He doesn't care. If you'd put him first. But see, people with no faith, then they'll steal. What else could you do, he said? You can work, 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 work. Oh, you can work and save. Or you could borrow it from the bank and really work. And pay for it three times instead of one time. <laughs> you see the looks I'm getting across the crowd. Are y'all with me tonight or not? Y'all going to help me with this? We going to move up higher. Huh? You could work. Nothing's wrong with working. The Bible teaches us to work. But go again to Ephesians. We looked at this. Let's go over it again. Ephesians chapter 4, I believe it is, about this working. We believe in working. Everybody's supposed to work. Everybody. Someone said, well, I'm retired, Brother Key. You're supposed to work. You are. You're supposed to be doing something for the kingdom. You don't retire from the kingdom. You retire when you breathe your last or the trumpet sounds. Till then you work. That was a little weak. How many folks supposed to be working? Everybody. 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 Every. Somebody, well, I'm on welfare, Brother Keith. Believe God. And work. If you need it, you use it. But don't be content to just stay dependent on anybody. Including the government. Right? If you need it, don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Use it while you need it. But believe God. And say, I'm coming up. I'm coming up where I won't need help. I will be able to give help. It's turning. That's what the Bible means when it says he turned their captivity. Turn their captivity. Do you remember so many times Jesus had come to tell somebody, you know, they're laying there on the stretcher. He'd say, get up. Take that stretcher and carry it out. What's that like? That's like coming in in a wheelchair and pushing it out. They hauled you in on the stretcher. You haul the stretcher out. God turned your captivity. You were dependent on people. Now you're helping them. Oh, come on. Can you see that now? Somebody was happening to prop you up. Now you can help lots of folks. That's the will of God. Don't despise where you are. Don't be embarrassed about where you are. Don't be ashamed. But just don't be content to stay there. Either. None of us. None of us. I don't care where you think you are. You can go way higher. Right? I'm a millionaire. So? You heard a billion? <laughs> you can do more with billions. Right? <laughs> Oh, that's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. It's not any more ridiculous than millions. It's a matter of vision and faith. And a greater revelation of who your source is. And how unlimited he really is. Where are you? Ephesians 4. It said, verse 26, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Don't give place to the devil. 
Now, there's a lot of ways you can give place to the enemy. One way is by joining together with unbelievers. Hmm? How many know you got to watch about who you go in business with? Right? You got to watch about who you hook up with and who you make covenants and enter into contracts with. Because there are ways, those can be ways of giving place to the enemy in your life. Uh, This is much more serious than many people have known. Do you remember, in fact, hold your place right there and go on over to the epistle in the back of the Bible of uh, 2 John. Uh, 2 John, are you there? He said in verse 10, just one chapter, If there come any to you and bring not this doctrine, what I'm teaching you, he said, receive him not into your house. Well, that's uh, that's not very hospitable, is it? Huh? What if they want to stay with you? And they're preaching Jesus is not the Messiah. Hmm? That there is no God. But they want to stay with you. Now you got people's ideas and then you got the Bible. What does the Bible say do about it? Don't receive them into your house. All folks say, well, <laughs> I just couldn't do that. I couldn't turn somebody away. Then you're smarter than God. You know more than him about this, right? See, there's more going on here than what you think. What's the very next phrase? Neither bid him God speed. What does that mean? God be with you. Go on, be strong, do it. Do what? Preach error? Confuse people? Rob people of their faith? He said, don't do it. You know, we need to watch about who we say, bless you. It's just become just a by phrase. Bless you. Glory to God. God be with you. We're with you. See, to many people, these are empty words, not to God. When you Have you ever been around? I've been in situations before. And you might have thought it was a small thing. But a friend of mine or an elder of mine at a particular point in my life when I'm really standing came by and put his hand on my shoulder and said, I'm with you. I'm with you now. I'm standing with you on this. And we're coming out of this. That meant more to me than a million dollars. You could tell it wasn't just empty words. When they looked me in the eye and they said it, something came into me. Strength came into me. I know that there's something here besides just words. Well, when you do that in truth and you mean it, you will be rewarded in eternity for helping somebody. Did you know that? I mean, you give somebody a cup of cold water because they're serving the Lord. Jesus said, there's no way you're going to lose that reward. Is that right? Well, if it works that way, it has to work negatively too. If you help somebody do something wrong. If you help somebody do something good and you're going to be rewarded, then if you help somebody do something wrong, you're going to be responsible. And here he said that uh, 
Don't take them in your house. Don't bid them Godspeed. Verse 11, why? For he that bids him Godspeed is what? Partaker of his evil deeds. It hasn't been real to people. How significant it is when we partner up with each other. When we pray for each other and sow money into each other to help do things. Man, this is big stuff. God keeps an eternal account of it. And by the same token, you know, people are people. They can uh, backslide. Somebody can be doing real good and then in five years not doing good. Well, that doesn't mean you just support them forever. You know, you shouldn't just tell anybody, I'm supporting you forever. You say, why not? Well, what if they start preaching error tomorrow? And confusing people. And hurting people's faith in their life. You want to be responsible for that? You want to be held as accountable for that as them? No, you don't. So every day is a new day. (laughs) Every year is a new year. Right? And we ought to be looking and see what's the Lord saying and how can we help? We don't want to help somebody do wrong. We want to help advance the kingdom. Right? And that is true in your business. Where's your money going? Where's your profits going? Who are you helping? So many times we haven't wanted to look at that. But as you know, and there's a lot of things you don't know in corporate America. But as you find out things and you find out that by buying this and by being involved in this, you're helping somebody fight the kingdom and preach against Jesus, you best stop it. If it means changing brands, then you change brands. Right? And don't be so fleshly and carnal. Well, I like this brand. Yeah, but what are you helping? What are you financing? Do you see this now? You and I need to be responsible. And not help finance error and not help somebody fight the kingdom. Or pass laws that are against the word of God. Where's all this money going to? What are they doing with it? A lot of times folk don't want to know. They just want to turn a blind eye and enjoy my whatever I'm doing. But no, no. As the Lord shows us, then we change. As we realize. And a lot of times, if you'll just listen to the Spirit of God, you won't even know why, but He'll lead you. Not that. Do this. Later on, you'll find out why. Follow His leadings. But here, in the, go back to Ephesians. Ephesians 4. He said, don't give place to the devil. You know why we just took that side journey, right? Because through hooking up with the wrong people, doing the wrong things, you can give place to the enemy in your life. You don't want to do that. Let him that stole steal no more. I'm not through with that. You don't put your money into a church and ministry to help finance them to tell you that healing has passed away. Or that you being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with tongues is of the devil. If you just keep going and pumping money into things like this, you are a fool. On more than one front. One, you're helping them destroy people's faith who could be healed. 
and could be filled. And two, you cannot sit in that week after week without it destroying your faith too. Are you with me now? Some say, well, I love them. Fine, love them. That don't mean you got to put money into it. Right? Don't mean you have to listen to it either. Yeah, but my family is there and it's convenient. And, yeah, and you're carnal. And the kingdom is not first with you. Well, we're having fun now, aren't we? <laughs> now, if we paint your picture, just look straight ahead. Don't let on. Just go, amen, Brother Keith. Somebody needs to hear that. And then if you need to, when you get home, you fall across the bed and go, oh, God, that was me. Oh, God. All of us need to make adjustments all through life, right? And you got to make up your mind what you believe and what you don't, what you're hooking up with and what you're not. How can two walk together if they're not agreed? Well, you can't. And you help somebody that's taking away people's faith and confusing them, whether they're sincere or not. If you're helping them do it, then you're going to be partly responsible for the people that didn't get healed and the people that didn't get their needs met and the people that didn't get filled. What's the solution? The solution is you and I must walk in the light we have. Not judge other people, but walk in the light we have. Oh, there's been so many people. I know of cases where folk got filled with the Spirit. Spoken tongues, got so gloriously blessed, empowered. And then they realized, my church don't believe in that. Oh man, if my pastor finds out. Mm-mm-mm. And you know a lot of people I do business with is in this same church and ministry. And what if they find out? And what my kinfolks think, and you know I'm a member of the country club down there. I don't know how they'd look on a tongue talker. In their club. And I know of cases. Where people absolutely. Have quenched the spirit. In their life. And just kind of shut it off. And pretended it didn't happen. And hid it. And friend you do that. What's going to happen to you? You are going backwards. You're going to go back. There is no other way. You Because you have light. What about them? You know, well, if they don't know, they don't know. God's not holding them accountable for it. But now you know. You've been there. You've seen it. You've experienced it. So for you, there is no other option. If you're going to go on with God, you just got to go ahead and say, hey, I'm a tongue talker. Yeah, that's me. I'm one of them. And if they love you, great. If they want to isolate themselves from you, well, that's part of being persecuted. For Christ's sake. Are y'all with me now? God's talking to some people. Yeah, but if I start preaching that, Brother Keith, my denomination's liable to cut off my support. Yeah, I know. Could be the best thing that ever happened to you. (laughs) Now you get into some real money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to run around, hold out your hand to them and beg them every so often and kowtow and walk on eggshells. Go ahead and be a man, be a woman. Preach what God tells you to do and believe God. Let him bring you in some real money. Real money and do this thing. Why? Because we have a God. 
We have a God. We have a God and He's real. And He can supply all our needs. And we don't have to beg anybody. We're making some progress tonight now. <laughs> yeah, you'll just, you get to believe in this, you'll get sassy. <laughs> People tell you, well, you do that, we're going to cut you off. You say, okay. You know, you're lost. Because <laughs> later on, you're going to be wishing you had some of this. You're going to be wishing you had invested in this. Come time when the rewards are passed out. And you get free. And you don't beg people. And you don't pull on people. Oh, glory to God. It's good to be free. Mm -mm -mm. (laughs) There is life beyond your denomination. There is. And you can do it. You can do it. You see this church here, three years old, thousands of people, plenty of money, no denomination underwrote us, no rich individuals, nobody but God, 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 and you see how happy we are, oh, oh we're happy, we're so happy. things well you do all things well <laughs> oh hallelujah glory to God glory to God everybody said out loud everybody everybody ever said out loud I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can do it. You can do it. Yes, you can start that church with nobody but you and your spouse. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Start that ministry with $5 in your pocket. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can do it. Step out into that new thing God told you to do with no contacts that you're aware of. No previous experience. No money that you can see. But yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, God told you to do it. You can do all things through the anointed one. You can. Say it out loud. I can do it. I can do it. I can have it. I can be it. In him. Glory to God. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> yeah, you can write a check for $100,000 and put it in your church. Put it in the ministry God tells you to. 
You can write a check for $500,000. You can. You can. With your little salary. Your little job. He's not limited to that. He can bring it in from other places. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can put a million dollars in the kingdom in a year's time. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can do it. You can do it. You don't even have to know anybody else. You already know somebody. You know somebody way up, way up, way up high. You know somebody big. You already know somebody. <laughs> glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. <laughs> oh my, 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 my. Can you sense it? Tonight is a night. There are people here, and there's a lot of people not here. Not here, but watching through these cameras all over the world. And they and we are going to step out. We're going to do what God told us to do. And not let anybody or anything tell us we can't, or that we're too small, or we're too little, or we don't know how. Man, I'm so excited. Because I see it in my spirit. I see it. People stepping out. And in a year's time, in two years' time, and three large works, strong works, much fruit. And right now, you can't even see it. Thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God. Thank you, Lord. Nothing's too hard for you. All things are possible to you and to us as we believe. My, my, my. Can you take some more? Well, sit down. We could shout the rest of the night, couldn't we? Yeah. Glory to God. Mm. <laughs> How could you tell if you got in faith? <laughs> you get excited. You just can't help but show it. You, you get excited for all the great and good and big things that God is doing and going to do. You get excited. <laughs> you get excited. You get excited. <laughs> oh. Oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Glory to God. You know what? Uh, people talk about the move of the spirit. This is the moving of the Spirit. 
I didn't talk you into being excited like this. The word of the Lord comes into you and brings faith and strength and vision. And you see things you didn't see before. And you believe things you didn't believe before. Oh, hallelujah. And it makes you so happy and excited. Oh, glory to God. Whoo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, good things. Good things. Good things. Where you are reaching 30, you're going to reach 30,000. Hallelujah. I mean, with the technology we have today, that shouldn't even be a stretch to your mind. Right? I mean, we, you know, we begin to operate in here as soon as we got our cameras and stuff. We thought, well, you know, we'd believe God for, what did we say we're going to believe God for? 100,000 or something like that. You know, that's where our faith was. Well, a few months later, and three quarters of a million already come in later. We had good stuff, not just stuff. And then we start airing and reaching out. And, you know, we got 20 people that logged on. We got 30 people that logged on. And then in a few months, we got 150,000 that downloaded messages in a month and a half. Do not think that this is hard for the Lord. We're in the last days. God's speeding things up. He's increasing things up. And He needs you. 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 To obey Him. And He's going to do it with you. That's why you're alive now. Not 500 years ago. You have been born and you are in the earth and you have come into the kingdom for such a time as right now, as this. We are the ones. We are the ones predestined of God to do this job in the earth now. You do not have to know where anything's coming from. Or how you could do it. You don't have to know any of that. God didn't expect you to know all that. He already knows all that. He just needs somebody. Somebody that will look up and go, God, I believe you can. I believe it. I believe, I believe you could do it with me. I believe, that's how much faith I got. I believe you could do it with me. That's all he needs. And he will do miracles. Said out loud, here am I, Lord. Send me. Use me. I'm your friend. I'm your child. I believe you can use anybody. I believe you can use me. I believe you can do anything. I believe you can do it for me. And with me. And through me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. You can be seated. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I came tonight. Woo. 
You feel sorry for the folks that was too busy. That really weren't. Any of us could have found something else to do. Right? It's always a choice. And those who choose properly get reward. Those that hunger. Those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. They're the ones that get the good stuff. They're the ones that get filled. Glory to God. Glory to God. Had people tell me, you know, well, I, Brother Keith, I'd sure like to be there, but, you know, little piddly stuff. They think it's big stuff, but little nothing stuff. And they don't know. I just got through reading a letter. You know, a fellow believed God for a year. I've seen people, you know, sell stuff they got that's precious to them and get gas money and drive for a week and do whatever it takes. Well, you got people that's hungry and people that's not. And who gets filled? The hungry. Hungry people that care about it. People that want it. I believe there's a bunch in here. (laughs) Yeah. Ephesians. It's there, isn't it? (laughs) Don't give the devil any place. No place. He goes on to say, uh, let him that stole do what? So that stealing thing we talked about, that's out. No stealing, that ain't the way to get it. It's not the way to get anything. Right? That includes preachers, laity, everybody. Right? How many of you preachers know that you got to keep the church's money and the ministry's money and your money separate? Very, very separate. And clear and distinct. Right? And you don't mess with God's money. Now, you know, people agree with this. Oh, yeah, that's right. Tell them preachers, Brother Keith. Well, now, how about you? You should keep God's money. So, well, God's money is in the church tithes and offerings did you hear me you should know what is God's money and what is your money and you don't touch his money you don't steal it right let him that stole what steal no more but what let him work laboring with his hands so work is right Bible says work work laboring with his hands so he can make a living for him and his family. Because no, no, God meets your needs. According to your job. No, and your hard work. No, no. That's almost been taught in churches though. This is how God is going to heal you. Through the doctor. This is how God's going to meet your needs. Through your job. Anything else is wildfire. An error. Thank God for doctors. Thank God for jobs. But God did not substitute a man instead of himself to be your healer. And he did not substitute a job instead of himself to be your provider. Did you get this now? And if God blesses us through a doctor, we thank God for it. But we still give him the credit for our healing. 
And God blesses us through our job. We thank God for it. But we give Him the credit for meeting our needs. And we know He's not limited to our little job. And man, this is a radical way of getting up going to work on Monday morning. Right here. Read it for me. What does it say? Let him that stole steal no more. Let him labor working with his hands the thing that is good that he may. He may have to what? To give, to give, to make a living. No, to give. Why is he going to work? So he can get seed to sow. Is that different from I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. I owe, I owe, I owe, so off to work. If you got one of those stickers on your car, I mean get it off for daylight. We don't allow such stuff in the parking lot around here. Oh, friend. Phyllis and I saw this, oh, decade plus ago. 15 years ago. And begin to see, of course, we had known it, but again, you're growing in it. Every year you're growing in it. You're progressively seeing who your source is. We begin to see we need to focus on sowing as much of our salaries as we can. And then not try to live off of what we earn. We live off of our harvest. Well, what does that do for you? You talk about opening up your life. You talk about opening up how you can live and the standard you can live on. Do most Christians live like that? No, they don't. Most Christians, most Tongue-talking, meeting-going, tape-playing, shouting Christians. Anytime they start talking about what kind of car they can get, if they can get a house or not, what kind they can get, what they can do, they immediately think about their annual income, right? And then they let that determine even what we can look at or think about because that's all we can afford. Man, that's a cuss word to me. We can't afford that, Brother Keith. We couldn't afford this. We couldn't afford an airplane. I couldn't afford this suit. Didn't even pay for it. God paid for this. God paid for the airplane. Why? Because we quit talking about afford and what we could do or what we can make. Remember, in your own ways... Backslide. In his ways, moving forward. Eliminate from your vocabulary, afford. What I can afford, what I can't afford. I was preaching on this some years ago, and I talked about parents and children. I said, if your children come to you, they said, Mom and Daddy, I want this. You don't just look at them and say, Honey, we can't afford that. What did you just tell them? I'm your source. My job is my source. And I don't have it, so I can't get it, so you can't have it. Because I'm your source. You are not training them properly. You're not teaching them about God. You're not practicing faith in God. I said, here's what you do. If it's something you wouldn't mind them having, you tell them, great, honey. You know, I'll believe God with you. 
Let's believe God. Teach them about sowing. Sow a seed. Claim your harvest. And then stand with them. You know why a lot of parents won't do that? They're afraid little Susie, little Johnny might be disappointed. What's that mean? They don't believe it yourself. <laughs> now I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about tongue talkers. Well, there was a lady, single mom, had several children, limited income at the time that she was, what she could do. That's always limited. And uh, she heard that. She got a hold of it. Her little daughter came and said, you know, Mama, I want such and such a bike. And she started to say, well, honey, it's great. Yeah, but Mama can't of, and she caught herself. She saw it. She thought, this moment of truth now. Do I believe this or do I not? She said, baby, Mama will believe God with you. Yeah, if any two of us agree, it's touching anything we ask. Let's do it. Now you need to sow a seed. You got a seed you want to sow? She got to thinking about it, talked about it for a little while, a few days, and she decided something she had, she wanted to sow to a little girl that she played with, a friend of hers. So she sowed her seed. Little girl's blessed. This is already off to a good start. Can you see this? She's encouraged. She's looking good. And you got to watch about children now. I mean, if you don't want it, don't get them involved. Because they ain't got a head full of junk to deal with yet. They just flat stand flat-footed and believe for it. Wide-eyed and expected. And it's exactly what God wants. He said, we need to be converted and become like that. Well, I mean, it wasn't a few months. Here comes a check in the mail. From an unexpected channel. To the girl. Same week. There's a bike sale in their little town on that bike. (laughs) There's more than enough money to go buy the bike. Man, they opened the check. They shouted. She said, let's go, Mama, let's go. She said, okay. They went and cashed the check. They went to the bike store. They paid cash for the bike. She rides that little bike out of there. And she knows. Santa Claus didn't give her the bike. The Easter Bunny didn't give her the bike. Mama didn't give her the bike. Jesus gave her this bike. She'll never forget it as long as she lives. Now she also knows how to get anything else she will ever need as long as she lives. It works exactly the same way no matter how big it gets. What a way to live. That's what our children are learning in this church right here. They're doing it. They're already doing it. You ought to see some of the stuff they believed in. Glory to God. Outstanding stuff. And we're just getting started. The children sold $14,000 into the uh, paid in full project. The kids. In a short, just a matter of months. (laughs) Yeah. Better watch out. These small fries will pass you up. (laughs) and that's okay too no what a different mentality instead of working for a living what are you doing working for a giving now I know that you may not be at the place where you're just going to cash your check and sow the whole thing the next day why would that be it's because of your, your decision, I started to say mistakes, <laughs> so that might be true too, but your decisions 
from the past and where your faith is right now and where your vision of God as your source is right now. And we're not suggesting you do that. What I am suggesting that you do is get a vision. And Phyllis and I, we remember distinctly, we were hurting in our finances. We owed everybody. We were behind. We weren't tithing. You know, we gave once in a while here and there. And boy, God got a hold of me and showed me where I was messing up. We had some stuff. We didn't look too bad. But it was all borrowed. Paying 18% interest on some of it. How many know there's a false show of prosperity? It's not the real thing. And uh, so the Lord dealt with me. We had just got a new car. I've always liked cars. And I got a brand new sports car and missed it. Anybody ever missed it besides me? And uh, the Lord, I began to spend extra time praying about it. And the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, son, I don't mind you having five of them. Talking about those new cars. He said, but you're not there. Your faith is not there. Your priorities are not right. You're taking most of your faith, believing to make payments on this stuff. Payments and insurance and interest and don't even have anything to give. He said, you're violating the master principle of prosperity, which is to seek first the kingdom. Wonder how many folks are there? So many people. Well, what do you got to do? See, at that point, I'm working to make my living. And we're working to make all our payments and to keep up with this stuff and try to keep our head above water. And boy, it's a struggle. I saw it. He said, son, you've got to focus your faith more on your sowing than what you want. You got to put your faith more on advancing the kingdom than satisfying your desires. Right? And he said, uh, you get your sowing up high enough, you'll have so much harvest coming in, it'll take care of this stuff just as a side issue. I saw it. Phyllis saw it. So I sold my car. I only had it three months. I liked it. It was a convertible. It had lots of power. <laughs> Brand new. I sold it. Took a loss on it. Then I thought, well, I'll buy me a pickup. <laughs> so I got a pickup. Lord said, uh, no, you are, you still, you're so, your ratio. Look at your ratio. Sit down. Look at your checkbooks. Look at where you are. I said, uh-huh. I sold my truck. And I rode with Phyllis. <laughs> and we quit eating out so much. And we quit spending money on ourselves. And we put our faith on getting out of debt. Did you hear me? We put our faith on getting this, you know, we took the little ones first. And we believed God. And then when we got this paid for, instead of just taking that money and spending it on something else, you know what we did with it? We began to sow it. Are y'all with me tonight now? I'm telling you how to come out. And then, you know, the money that was loosed up from those payments we weren't making on that stuff, now we're sowing more. And that's how we begin to sow in the hundreds and then in the thousands. Did you hear me? 
We had to tighten our belts for a while. Why? Because we had gotten things upside down. We'd been putting ourselves first. Did you hear me now? But I consoled myself when the guy drove away with my new car. I said, that's all right. I can have three of them later on if I want to. And the new ones are improved. (laughs) Right? And I'm telling you, in a matter of about two years, God turned us completely around until we were sowing seeds. Man, we used to, we didn't even thought we'd have had that kind of money to sow seeds. And then here comes the harvest on these bigger chunks. And it doesn't take long when it starts coming in. Thousand, five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand. You get your stuff straightened out. Right? But did you see, how do you do it? Instead of working for a living, you're working for a giving. As much as you can of your income, you treat it as seed. And you sow as much as you can in the kingdom. And you live not off of your job, not off of your work. You live off your harvest. And during the course of that time, I was working for uh, another ministry. And uh, the last two years we worked there, we sowed more into that ministry than they paid me. Now, how do you do that? How do you do that? So that's impossible. No, it's very easy for God. It's not impossible. But what? You quit living off of your job and now we're living off of our harvest. What's that money's coming in? Money's coming in from here and there and here and there and here. And man, we're living good. We've got a nice house. we got new cars. And some people that knew what I got paid, they thought, how do you do that? How do you do it? My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches. His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Let me say it again now. Get a vision. To get out of debt. To not just live on what you make. Believe God to sow more. I didn't say you had to sow it here. Sow it wherever he tells you to sow it. But put it into the kingdom of God until more and more you sow. There's a man, if you've never read his uh, biography, it's interesting reading. It's uh, R.G. Letourneau. A man that God gave the ideas for most of the heavy earth moving machinery that we use today. He's one of the first one to put rubber tires on bulldozers and stuff and developed brilliant man because of God. And he thought he was going to be a missionary. But God got a hold of him that he wanted him to be a businessman for him and represent him in the business community. He said, well, okay, God. He said, but me and you are going to be partners now. You're going to be a part, you know, the senior partner in the business here and I'm on tithe. Everything that comes in, I'm on tithe. So he did. He began tithing off of everything he made, and it was small in the beginning. But as time went by, God prospered him. Man, he got big contracts. They began to make big money. And he, what he did is he increased. Instead of tithing, he went to 20%. And then he went to 30%. And then as the years went by, he went to 40%. And 50%. And 60%. And 70%. And 80% till by the, toward the end of his life, he had completely reversed it. And now he's sowing 90% of his income and living on 10 and living like a king 
on ten. Man had multiple airplanes. He'd go down to developing countries and take all this equipment in there and build roads and churches and schools and just give it to them. And leave. How many of you can live good on 10% of 50 million a year? The numbers get big enough. Right? You see what I'm talking about? But see, if you're scared and you go, well, I worked hard for this money and this is what I live on. And this is just how I live. And you know, it's not just, I just don't believe it's God's will for everybody to have all that money. Well, you won't be bothered with it. (laughs) But for some other people, some other people that have vision and believe this, you can alter the course of your life tonight. By just inside you making a commitment and adjustment saying, all right, God, help me with this. I'm coming out of debt. And what I get freed up, I am not just turning it around and spending it on myself. I'm putting it in the seed. I'm going to sow more and more and more until I am not living off my job anymore. I'm getting seed out of my job and I'm living off the harvest of my sowing. Meditate on this. Talk about it. Live it. Breathe it. Until it's a reality in your life. Hallelujah. Can you take some more? Well, go to uh, Romans then. 13th chapter. Oh, the Lord's helping us. Thank you, Master. You know another valuable thing that happens when you do that? You wean yourself off of stuff. I said you wean yourself. Off of stuff that probably means more to you than it should. And you really get to the place where you can take it or leave it. You can have it or not have it. And when you get to that place, then God can give it to you. It doesn't hinder you. It doesn't get in your way with him. Right? You see that? Didn't hurt me at all. Go without a car for a while. Didn't hurt us at all. To, you know, cut back on some things and do some things. Just means we're willing to put the kingdom first. Right? And so into this. And oh how God's blessed us. Man if I had time. Tell you what God's done for us. Just in the last few years. Like somebody called Brother Jesse Duplantis. A news person. And was trying to make a deal. And said you know. People say you're doing quite well. He said no. Uh uh-uh. uh. They said what? That's what we heard. People say you're doing real well. He said no. No. I'm doing way better than that. <laughs> That's God's will for us all. Romans, the 13th chapter. Uh, I'm not quite ready for Romans. Go to 1 Timothy 5. We're believing God together, right? Believing God with me. You know how this is. I don't care what you got planned. You should be led. You going to stay with me till we get through tonight, right? I mean, we... I won't try to drag it out. I won't try to go any longer than we need to. But at the same time, you know, you got two kinds of people that come to church. Folks that just say they went. And for them, the quicker the better. Get us out of here so I can just say I went. And then you got people that come for something. Right? They come to get something and they come to give something. Right? And that's us, right? That's the kind of place we are. And so, well, you need to stay with it till you get it. And it's not just all dependent on me. You and I are believing God together. He's given it to us. First uh, Timothy 5. Are you there? First Timothy 5 talks about. Actually he's talking about widows I believe. 
and the church taking care of widows and how it's supposed to be done. And uh, in First Tim, he tells them, the younger widows, to get married instead of just being dependent on the church for their finances, for them to get married and have another family and have another house. Right? And this is one reason he says so. Verse 11, this is 1 Timothy 5:11. The younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation. Now, another word for that is condemnation. Also, sometimes it's translated judgment. Why? Why would they have condemnation? Because they have cast off their first faith. What does that mean? Here's another way of saying it. They have backslid from their first commitment to God. They have backslid from a greater commitment to God to a lesser commitment to God. They start out saying, God, I'm going to give the rest of my life to you all day and all night. A hundred percent of my time I'm going to devote to you. And they're young and this is good for a few months and a year. And then they get to wishing they had a husband. They get to wishing they had a family. They get tired of being by themselves. And cast aside that first commitment. And I'm going to get married again. He said instead of doing that, just don't even accept them. Start with. Just say you're young. A lot can happen next few years. Right? But the principle is this. You don't go back. Have we heard that all week? You make a commitment to God. You learn about a higher way of living. You learn about living by faith instead of by works. Right? You get filled with the Spirit. God heals your body. God meets your needs. For you, there is no going back. To pre-tongues, pre-healing, pre-prosperity. If you do, you're going to be one miserable soul. You're going to have condemnation. You're going to have guilt. And you're going to go back. No. God expects us to walk in the light we have. And to continue. And if you walk in the light you have, he gives you more light. Hold your place here. Well, you don't have to. Go to 1 John. 1 John. I hadn't forgot about Romans. 1 John. And the first chapter. 1 John 1, verse 5. This is the message we've heard of him. And we declare it to you. That God... Is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Now let me just stop right here. We've heard this, but don't don't let it just go over and don't see the practical application. What is darkness? Darkness is ignorance. Darkness is confusion. Darkness is depression and despair and death. If you, now he goes on to say, keep reading it. If we say we have fellowship with him. In other words, we're walking with Him, then He is light, right? If you're walking with Him, then what are you walking in? You're walking in light. 
And like the proverb said, the path of the just. It gets brighter and brighter until the full day. So you're walking with God. Things get clearer. You get stronger. You don't get more confused. You get less confused. Things clear up for you. Things get simpler to you. Well, what if it's getting more complicated to you? What if it's getting harder to you? What if you're more confused now than you were a month ago? You got off of walking with him. Is that right? You haven't been walking in light. Keep reading. That's what he says right here. If we say we're fellowshipping with him, walking with him, and we're walking in darkness, confusion, despair, etc., then we're lying. We haven't been walking with him. You don't walk with him and get confused. And we're not doing the truth. We're not walking in the light. You see that word do? D-O. Do. You're not doing the truth. That means you're not walking in the light that you have. So, uh, you know, no matter if it's you or if it's me, you're going down. Your finances just keep going down. Keep going down. Your ministry just keeps going down in every way. In power and size and influence. And you just keep going down. Your health just keeps going down. Your relationship, your marriage just keeps going down. You're confused. You're upset. What's the reality? You've been operating in your own ways. You can tell that by the direction you're going. You're going back. You do not go back and down walking with God. Me, you, I don't care who it is. We got to be honest with ourselves, right? Because if we're walking with God, if we're walking in the light, we do not walk in darkness. We do not go back and down. Can anybody testify that you stepped out to walk with God and it got better? Come on now. You know you walked with God and what happened? It got better. You got clearer. You got stronger. More health. More money. Better marriage. Better family, right? Now, see, a lot of folk don't like this because they preach. Millions of people believe what I'm about to say to you now. Their preachers preach it, that the darkness you're going through, the valley, the failure you're going through is God teaching you. And it's very convenient because it gives you absolutely no responsibility for your life. But the sad thing is, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And you try to console yourself that God is teaching me, but you are going down the drain. Walking with God, it does not get worse and worse and worse. And you go back and you go down. Walking with God, it gets better. And it gets brighter. And the light grows and increases in your faith and your joy and your peace. And if that's not happening, don't explain it away. Get on your face. Admit it. Say, God, help me. Where did I get off? Where did I get off the path? But now look at this. The next verse. So wonderful. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light... We are having fellowship one with another. That's talking first about you and the Lord. We are having fellowship with him. And what else is happening? And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses. Now that's a present tense continuous. Cleanses and keeps on cleansing. Cleanses and keeps on cleansing. Yes, the blood of Jesus has cleansed us. 
But the blood of Jesus is ever powerful. And if we'll walk in the light that we have, the blood of Jesus is continuously cleansing us from all sin. Man, this is wonderful. Now, don't sleep through this. Get this. Get this. People talk about sins of ignorance. And in this sense, there is no such thing. There is, but there's not. Let me explain. Yes, you and I have done some things. In fact, the Bible might call it transgression, which is a violation of something out of ignorance. But the Bible, read the book of Romans real carefully sometime, the first several chapters particularly, and you'll see where there is no law, sin is not imputed. What does that mean? Where you don't know the light, God doesn't hold you accountable. Even if you make a mistake. To you, it is not sin imputed to you. Oh, do you see this? If you're walking in all the light that you have, even if you're making mistakes in ignorance, what does God see? He sees the righteousness of God in Christ. He sees no sin. Why? Because the blood of Jesus is cleansing you. Because you're walking in all the light that you have. Now the next verse gets into the other though. If you have light to him that knows to do good. And does it not. To him it is sin. And if you've sinned and you're in darkness. And you say you haven't sinned. Then you're lying. But if you'll confess. I knew better. But I didn't do it. I knew I should have stepped up and believed you on that, but I didn't. I knew what to do, but I went back and I was lazy. If you'll confess it, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now we're clean again. Now all we got to do is walk in the light and what we don't know will be taken care of by the blood. Man, this is good. Now, with that in mind, go to Romans 13. Now, see, this has to do with how much we trust God as our source. I worked in healing school for a number of years, and I don't know how many times. I uh, People would look at me and ask me, well, Brother Keith, okay, well, let's believe God. Do I take the medicine or not? Do I have the surgery or not? Some say, yeah, there's people that didn't have their surgery and are dead. Yeah, and there's people that had the surgery and are dead. First of all, you can't be, you know, you've got to get past the fear of dying to even be ready to live. I came in one day, one Monday at healing school. Man, it felt like a cemetery. You could look at people. Death was on people's faces. People had been told there's no hope for you. And everybody's sitting there like... Please help us if you can. And I'm, the Lord just moved on me in a different way. And I said, so they say you're going to die. You didn't know that? People looked at me like, what have I got into here? I said, yeah, you're going to die. I'm going to die. Your dog's going to die. And your cat's going to die. And your parrot. Your goldfish and your flowers and your trees. 
all going to die. <laughs> but, uh, you know, why do you say that? Because people are so afraid of death. They're like, oh, 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 don't talk about Don't talk like that, brother. I can't think about that. It just bothers me so much. Hush! We're not afraid to die. I said we're not afraid. Our life down here is a vapor. It's here. It's gone. Anyway. Anyway you cut it. You live a long time. It's a vapor. Short time it's just a little bit less vapor. (laughs) But vapor is vapor. Ain't much to it. Vapor right? Now you see them. Now you don't. That's you. On the earth. (laughs) But the Bible said Jesus. Took upon himself flesh and blood. So that he through death might destroy him that had the power of death. And deliver them who through all their lifetime were subject to bondage through the fear of death. Did he do it? Have we been delivered? Then should we be afraid of dying? No, 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 no. Say it out loud. I am not afraid to die. I'm saved. My name's in the Lamb's book of life. They're working on my mansion right now. I got friends and family there. I got a place there. God is there. I'm not afraid. Don't be afraid. And it's only when you get over that that you're ready to live now. And face this stuff. But people ask me, you know, I'm so afraid. What if I make a wrong mistake? What if I die? What if you do? You know, Brother Oral Roberts. Uh, they were talking to him about a particular thing he was dealing with, and they were helping him with physically. And somebody said, well, you know, if it didn't work, then, uh, you know, the alternative. He said, he looked back, he said, the alternative is stunning. <laughs> what does he mean? Dying. <laughs> it's a man that knows God. He's not afraid to die. Well, people had asked me, Brother Keith, do I take the medicine or do I not? Do I have the surgery or do I not? And people do the same thing with money. Do I borrow the money? Do I not? My friend wants to loan it to me at half a percent interest. The bank, give me a favor. What do I do? Look at this, Romans, the 13th chapter. Boy, y'all got quiet on that one. Well, we got what people think and what you think and I think. And then we got, got the Bible. Romans 13. Don't get scared. Just believe God with me. Mrs. <laughs> says, I know what's coming. No, you don't. No, you don't. Stay with me. Romans 13, verse 7. Render, therefore, to all their dues. Now, the word due means what is owed. Tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor, owe no man anything. But to love one another, he that loves another has fulfilled the law. Now, uh, I think you can see the specific application of the owe no man anything is right where he said in verse 7, render to all what you owe. But, which is a better way of living? Owing or owning? Now, there are numerous issues with owing. And don't get scared on me now, you know. 
We just borrowed money on this place and paid it back in record time. And I don't feel bad about it. But could God have done it a different way? Does he have the ability? How many remember the scriptures? In fact, let me read them to you. You don't have to turn them necessarily. But Deuteronomy, it says, Deuteronomy 15, The Lord your God blesses you as he has promised you, and you shall lend unto many nations, but you shall not borrow. And you'll reign over many nations, but they won't reign over you. The blessing is not needing to. Did you get this? Not needing to borrow. Well, what determines that? Is it when you get to a certain place financially and then you won't need to? No, no, no. It's a faith thing. I said it's a faith thing, which is a light thing. Brother Hagin used to say this numerous times. He said, when the light comes, faith is there. When the light comes, faith is there. Now, let me keep reading this to you. Deuteronomy 28. You'd know it, but let me remind you. The Lord's going to open up his good treasure to you. He's going to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend unto many nations and you won't borrow. You won't borrow. And he went on saying, if you were cursed, that somebody would lend to you and you wouldn't be able to lend to them. And they'll be the head and you'll be the tail. In the world of economics... The lender is on the top of the food chain. And the borrower is on the bottom. Right? And Proverbs says that the borrower is what? Servant. Servant to the lender. And the New Testament says, be not ye the servants of men. Right? Now, even if you say, well, Brother Keith, I don't see anything wrong with borrowing. I didn't say it was. Is there a better way? Is there a higher way? You got numerous things here. You, one thing you got is somebody else being your head and telling you what you can or can't do with the thing. Right? It's not yours. It's theirs and you can use it as long as you make the payment. Right? So if somebody else has control in you concerning that thing. Then another big deal is a thing called interest. Have you ever heard of interest? You ever paid any interest? Y'all looking at me like you're scared. Hey, <laughs> this is good news. Do you feel that? Do y'all feel that? What is that? It's like. What is interest? The Hebrew word for interest Literally means to bite or to sting. To bite like a snake or a bad dog. And I have felt it. Have you ever felt it before? Every time you made that payment. Oh, ah. Oh, man. Y'all got to help me a little bit better with this. I'm not talking about being vocal. I'm just talking about believing this is going to be okay. (laughs) It's like healing. Thank God for doctors. I mean that sincerely. 
But does God have to have a doctor to heal you? Well, which is better? Healed by divine power and you never left the house? Or you went through three operations and you spent a ton of money and you finally made it out? Which is God's best? Now, making it is great. Living is good. Even if you came through it rough and it took a while. And you had to pray for you and the doctor. (laughs) And all the nurses too. And and, and you you didn't give up. And you made it. That's a victory. That's a victory. But some victories are easier than others. Right? And we ought not think God is limited to this. What is the limiting factor? It's our faith. I said it's our faith. It's our faith. Interest. Think about it. If we are stewards of our money, you'll see people that do everything they can to muster up and give a thousand dollars to put into the church and the kingdom. And if they look back at the past six months and see how much interest they paid, it dwarfs it. So they're putting ten times the money into somebody that we don't know what they're doing with it. Did you hear me? Then we are the kingdom of God. And what we're doing is we're paying and we're paying handsomely to use somebody else's money. Because we don't have our own. If that's where we are, no condemnation. But can God do better? Can he give us our own money? Hmm? Is there a higher way of living and operating? Yes, there is. Don't feel bad if you owe on some stuff. Don't feel bad if you're making some payments. But get a vision that you're not going to just keep paying on it for 30 years. You're not going to be content to live in debt. Right? Now we see this here. Owe no man anything except to love one another. Don't look at that as a negative thing. How many know it's a wonderful thing if you can stand up and say, I don't owe anybody anything except to love them. Everything I got is paid for and we own it. That's a good thing. I said that's a good thing. It's a good thing. Let that be your vision. Let it be your vision. But then notice... 13 flows right into 14. And notice what it says here in 14. 14 1. What does it say? Him that's weak in what? In the faith. What do you do? Receive him. Not to doubtful disputations. Not to argue and fuss about their level of faith. You see, this all flows together. For one believes he may eat all things, and another who's weak just eats vegetables. Let not him that eats despise him that doesn't eat. And let not him that doesn't eat judge him that eats. For God has received him. In other words, God has received both of them already. Eat or not eat. Now let's branch that out a little bit. We're to receive each other wherever our faith is at, right? If a man goes to the doctor 
or he doesn't go to the doctor. If a man borrows his money, or he doesn't borrow his money. Are y'all with me on this? Now, do you see this? Why? Because I don't know your heart. You don't know my heart. What looks like a low level of faith to you, God might be real happy with them. Because they're walking in some light, man, you ought to seen them before. Before this, they had the pistol. <laughs> trying to take it away from somebody. <laughs> Do you see this? Do you see this? <laughs> uh, a minister friend of mine was telling me one time, one of his kinfolks was a rough guy. I mean criminal. Criminal. And uh, got saved. Come to help him in the ministry. And they were, you know, he was doing pretty good. Still had a lot of rough edges. <laughs> he hadn't been saved that long. And they're going somewhere on the interstate. And this guy, they were in two different vehicles. And this relative of his is in one. He was behind him. And this guy comes ripping by him. And another vehicle cuts his relative off. Runs him off the road. And he told his wife, oh no, oh no. Oh man. And he just couldn't hardly contain himself when he saw his relative get back on the road run the other guy off the road drag him out of the window and pummel him (laughs) so he pulls up there he says man we're in the ministry and his and his brother was going glory to god praise god he said what are you doing? He said, I didn't cuss not one time. I didn't cuss one time. <laughs> well, do we despise him? Do we judge him? We don't know. How much light the man has got. Is he really walking in all the light he is? I don't know. He said, what about this? He said, he had that coming. <laughs> but I didn't cuss not one time. <laughs> See, he thought that was just a matter of fact. You do that, that's what you get, you know. <laughs> he had it coming. <laughs> but I didn't cuss, praise God. <laughs> well, I don't know your heart. I don't know what you've seen and what you hadn't seen. I don't know your faith. You don't know mine. And it's not for me to judge you or despise you or for you to judge me or despise me. But it's for all of us to walk in all the light that we have and have a vision to step up. And if you walk in the light that you have, God will give you more light. Can you see yourself completely out of debt? Don't owe anybody anything. Got your own house in your own place paid for. Got your own five or six cars paid for. You know, you need extras for people that come by to visit. So you can loan them some cars, right? Maybe a guest house or two. You know, if people come in for a week of increase, you can just put them up. Say, there you go. Use my house. I won't even know you're here. Got extras. Extra money, extras, right? That's not too far-fetched. Believe for this kind of stuff. Right? And plenty of money to give. I was just talking to Brother Jesse. I mean, there are so many things that go along with this. Uh, we're living in the last days. That means good for the kingdom. It means bad for the world. In the economy, we got no guarantees. 
Did you hear me? Stuff in this world is shaky. And that's why we got to get our eyes off of man. And off of ourselves and on to him. And I was talking to Brother Jesse. You know, the hurricane had blown in there. And flattened stuff and flooded New Orleans. And the post office was flooded. And they couldn't get their mail. Now, praise God, they were spared. Their place wasn't even damaged. But I talked to him. And even weeks and weeks after that, they hadn't given them their mail. Well, a ministry, you just don't get any mail for week after week after week. It could be a deal. But I told him, he said, we're okay. God's taking care of us. And I said, aren't you glad you're not making huge payments on your buildings and your lands and your airplane? No, he said, oh, brother, yeah, I'm so glad. He said, don't know a dime on anything. Well, then what? Then he, if need be to stand, he can stand a while. Can you see this? A lot of folk, man, they can't make it two weeks. They're so dependent on other everybody else. Now, can you understand, this is not just coming out because it's week of increase. The world is having problems, isn't it? God wants you and I free from being dependent on other people and worldly institutions. He wants us to have our own. I was down with Brother Kenneth Copeland, though, this has been a year or two ago. We went up in his office. We're looking around. He's got a fine place down there. You know, hundreds of acres and all kind of finds, you know, his stuff. He said, the Lord asked him, he's sitting on his porch a while back. He said, the Lord asked him, he said, what if all your partners quit giving? What if you didn't have another meeting? He said, what would happen? And he sat there for a while and he thought, nothing. Everything they got is paid for. They got their own water system. They got their own sewer. They got their own, they produce their own electricity. Out of gas that they pump out of the ground runs the generators that make their electricity. They sell electricity back to the county and the city. Airplanes paid for, houses paid for, everything is paid for. That's freedom and it's protection. Did you hear this now? That's why you don't just bump along and say, well, we'll take the next 15 years and 30 years. No, get on it with your faith and get it done. Right? And then, you know, get it, shorten it down, and then get to the place where you just pay cash for it. You can just walk in there. Not because you're trying to show off. you just a place where you don't have to borrow. You can loan. A place of blessing. Can God increase you? Can God increase you and increase you and increase you until you can get it paid off? Then you can get it paid off quick, and then even quicker, and then quicker, and then just buy it. Can He do it? Is that happening with you? Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Go to James in closing. James. Thanks be unto God. Don't feel bad if you owe. Don't feel bad if you got debt. Don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. But don't be content to live there forever and make your job in the bank and somebody else your source. And don't be content with taking a huge chunk of your increase. And putting in somebody else's pocket for the privilege of using their money for a little while. When God can give us our own. I said when God can give us our own. I just heard about a church recently. They started their own bank. 
I thought, hmm, sounds like a good idea. Interesting. You see, a few years ago, people never imagined churches being the size they are today. Or people having the equipment like the body of Christ has. It was always supposed to be that way. We are supposed to be the strongest, sharpest, most excellent thing going in the earth. Because we represent the Almighty God. And there's nothing anybody is doing in the earth that's more important than what we're doing. And God is well able, well able, well able to finance it and then some. James. Now here's what it takes. James, the first chapter. Well, I'm feeling better in my spirit now. Feeling like we, uh, the Lord, is able to uh, do some things he wanted to do in this meeting. I was really believing God Monday and Tuesday. Whew. Help us, Jesus. But I feel pretty good about it. About tonight. And where are we going to go from here? Man, I'm up. Up and forward. James 1. Here's how it works. Verse 2. My brethren. Count it all joy. When you fall into different temptations, trials and tests. Why? It's just another opportunity. For God to demonstrate how he can take care of you no matter what. Knowing this. That the trying of your what? Faith. Faith. Works. Patience. Now, if everything happened the day after you started believing for it, you wouldn't see this. Right? If everything happened three weeks after you started, you wouldn't read things like in Galatians, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't cast away your confidence, Hebrews says. In due season, you'll reap. Due season's almost always later than your flesh wants it to be. But, you know, we think a year or two or tens a long time. A thousand years is like a day to the Lord. It's just our perspective because we're so young. You know, we time we've been around another thousand or two thousand years, we'll see things differently. <laughs> Knowing this, the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect An entire wanting nothing. Oh, we end up where we started. Wanting nothing. What does that mean? My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If he meets all your needs, what does that mean? You want for nothing. How are you going to get there? Not in your own ways. Not by depending and relying on men. Not by going backwards, but by going forward in faith. But what else is required? Patience. Perseverance. To get God's best takes faith and patience. Years ago, I was teaching some teenagers. And this is a story I told them. I said, I mean, they were... They're about driving age, about time to get their license. Some of them just before, some of them already had. Of course, that age, man, you got wheels on the brain. Wheels, wheels, wheels. I know. I was there. And I said, how many in here? Listen, it's a choice here now. 
you would right now somebody give you a good used VW. I mean, it's nice. Used. Give it to you right now. Paid for. It's yours. You're mobile. You're not riding with mom today. You've got your own wheels. Or wait four years and ride with mom and get a brand new Porsche Turbo paid for. I said, how many take the Volkswagen today? Several hands went up. Because when you're 14 or 15, four years. Oh, fuck, you've got to be good. Four years? Four years. You know what we talked about next? Sex. What are you talking about? Well, you grab what you can steal off the street. Or wait and let God give you a Ferrari paid for. You see what I'm talking about? Flesh, covetousness, and impatience is flesh. That's the nature of the flesh. I want it, I want it, I want it, and when do you want it? I want it right now. Flesh wants it and wants it now. Right? That's your flesh. And flesh ways is do whatever it takes to get it now. Get it now anyhow. But faith and patience is God's way. And it says, if you wait, it'll be great. And I can put my flesh under another day and another month and I can get it. The reason why so many times people are in such a mess financially is because they just refuse to wait. They're going to get it. They add it to their self and pay terrible interest and all kind of things. And that puts, and of course, what you're doing now is you're not, Everything you're paying on interest, you're not sowing into the kingdom. So you're sacrificing your future for enjoying something today. Did you hear me? And then people, they let their flesh dominate them. And so they're already in debt up to their eyes. But they see something else they want. And they just got to have it. And they ain't got the money. But they'll loan it to you. And you can make 400 easy payments. I mean, most of America's living like this, right? And they have got debt every way you turn. And people sometimes that dress up and come into church and try to act prosperous, but they owe everybody for everything, and they're so behind. No, that's not God's way. God's way is admit. So we well, got to live within your means. No, no, no. We've already talked about that. You live where your faith is. Not living within your means. It's living where your faith is, but you don't try to act like you're at a place in faith that you're not either. You are where you are, but you don't feel bad about it because you're not staying there. Anyway. <laughs> you're on your way up. You're on your way out, right? You're thankful for where you are. Thankful for what you've got. You know, that's what you got. But you're on your way out. And you got a vision for sowing more and sowing more and reaping more and won't be long. But you gotta wait. I said, you gotta wait. You see that thing that you want and you go, well, if I get that, see, people, they want to counsel sometimes. Their finances are all messed up and Brother Keith, I don't know what to do. Well, you should have prayed before you signed all those dotted lines. That's after the fact. God will have mercy on you, but the time to put the kingdom first is before you sign the contract. 
You're sitting there looking and you go, okay, now I sure want this new car. But if I get this thing, how's that going to affect my giving? How's that going to affect my sowing? Did you hear me now? If we get that house right now and go in debt for it, we're making these big payments and we're making this insurance and all this stuff. How's that going to affect my sowing? How's it? See, people don't ask that. Later on now, they can hardly make the payments or they're behind. Oh, God, please help us. I want to put your kingdom first. No, you don't. If you did, you'd have done something different back there. I already told you. You know how I know all this? Phyllis and I messed up. But I tell you what. We went in there and put our nose in the carpet and said, God, we've been dumb, dumb, dumb. We messed ourselves up. You tried to tell us, but no, we had to have it now. Would you have mercy on us? Help us get out of this. Help us get our stuff loosened up so we can sow like we're supposed to. And we purposed to put the kingdom first. And it didn't happen in a month or two. But like I told you, you know, I didn't, I'd had my own car since I was a teenager. But I didn't have one for a couple of years. But then right after that, God gave me a car and a deal. Oh, a deal. How many know God can put a deal together for you? And I mean, and they feel so much better when they're paid for. Man, they just, they, I think they're faster. And, <laughs> and you're better off, you know, you're better off going to a cheap restaurant and leaving a big tip than to an expensive restaurant and can't half make it through the next week. That you're trying to act like you're at a place in faith that you're not. Trying to act like you're at a place in your sowing that you're not. But when you get in faith for real and you're sowing for real and you're exercising patience and other people get their stuff, you just shout with them. You say, mine's coming. Mine's coming. But I'm going to get it the right way. I'm going to let God add it to me. I'm not going to add it to myself. He's going to, you say like Brother Copeland, if I can't get it with my faith, I don't want it in my house. Because I want God to be glorified with everything I have. And everything I want. When people see it, I want them to think, oh, God's good to him. Look what God did for him. Not what he did for himself. What God did for him. I want God to get the glory. Can you say amen? amen. How are you going to get that? Through faith and, and patience. Just keep believing and believing and believing. And the time will come. Maybe not as soon as your flesh wanted it. But the time will come. Due season will come. And you'll step into it. And now I've seen this so many times. I've seen people look. They thought they were passing me on something. And they got theirs. And they paid for it three times. With high interest. I got mine three years after they did. Mine's brand new and paid for. Theirs is wore out and they're still paying for it. Sometimes it looked like people passed you, but don't let that buy. You don't know what's going on. And we're not to judge each other anyway, right? Don't judge them. Don't despise. You know what? You don't know what light they've got. They don't know what light you've got. But all of us are coming up. Stand up on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.